Hello, you are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. The following recording is intended solely for the use of blind, visually impaired, and print format disabled individuals. Thank you for joining us for Hobby Radio. My name is Keith, amateur radio operator W0NX. This week we continue with articles from the June 2021 The Spectrum Monitor, and we'll begin by finishing the short remainder of Radio 101 by Ken Reitz, KS4ZR, an inexpensive field day antenna for all seasons. DRM on air. Back in December 2019, while writing about Digital Radio Mondial DRM reception, I received All India Radio's AIR, English DRM General Overseas Service, on 7,550 kilohertz in the 41-meter band. One advantage of DRM reception is that you can confirm reception yourself just by taking a photo of what appears on the radio's LCD display. In this case, the transmission was from Air's transmitter at Bengaluru at 1900 UTC. Air provides an online reception report form which I filled out and to which I attached the photo of the LCD screen showing reception. In mid-May 2021, I received an actual paper QSL card from AIR confirming reception. That makes AIR one of the few shortwave stations to still send a paper QSL. Radio Romania does as well. And it's worth the wait. As it turns out, after over 50 years of shortwave listening, I had not confirmed India. DRM is capable of holding up during long-haul shortwave transmissions, though we rarely have the propagation these days to witness it. I have noticed that, when band conditions are favorable, DRM can hold together for such a distance as seen by the reception of air from 8,500 miles away. I have received other long-haul DRM transmissions from Radio Kuwait, 6,600 miles, Radio Romania International, 5,000 miles, BBC, 3,600 miles, Radio New Zealand International, 8,550, Amazonia Brazil, 4,200, and Voice of Nigeria, 5,400. The jury is still out on the future of DRM on short wave, though. If we were in an advantageous part of the solar cycle, or if our solar cycles today were more active, there might be more interest in international broadcasters toward DRM transmissions. And now, SDR versus Analog, Which is Better? by Robert Gully, K4PKM. In a recent conversation with a close friend of mine who is also a radio enthusiast, the question arose as to why I would purchase an analog radio in these days of so many SDRs, software-defined radios. I had just ordered the new Sanjian 909X2 and was anxiously awaiting its arrival. My friend has been using one of the excellent SDR Play radios for some time, and really enjoying its many capabilities. Our discussion was the genesis of this article, as I realized this was likely a question on a number of folks' minds. 
what follows is part subjective and part objective, and where one falls in the continuum between analog and SDR likely depends on a number of factors. Warning, spoiler alert. Skip ahead to the next paragraph if you want to be kept guessing until the end. I absolutely enjoy a quality analog shortwave receiver, and I have numerous radios from portables to desktop models. I will explain in much more detail as we go along just why I love these radios. However, I also really enjoy, and am sometimes absolutely amazed at, the capabilities of modern SDR options, and I have more than my share of those as well. Just as no one tool can do all the things you need around the house, neither can one style of radio provide you with the ultimate set of features available today. Some initial caveats. In addition to being at times very subjective when giving opinions, after all, I can only speak for myself here based on my experiences, I freely admit I will be making some generalizations and painting with some broad strokes. Even the arbitrary division of analog and SDR is very much a generalization because most analog radios today contain at least some elements of software-defined functionality. There are also hybrid radios out there which retain some level of analog input, knobs, dials, switches, which hark back to pure analog radios, but which are really SDRs at heart. On the objective side of things, each style of radio has certain features not able to be replicated by the other, and one's choices may very well be dictated by those unique capabilities. Rather than seeing limitations or cons to either style of radio, I prefer to see their features as positives when understood properly. With all of this in mind, let's jump right in and start by looking at some positives of analog radios. Analog radios. I define analog radios as those radios which operate in a traditional manner, meaning a volume control, tuning dial, display, switches for tone or stereo or modes, along with a built-in speaker, antenna, and internal, external power options. I am limiting this discussion primarily to portable analog radios, but certainly many of the features can also apply to desktop analog radios as well. One of my favorites is the Sony ICF SW7600GR, a classic shortwave AM-FM receiver with many traditional analog features. With a direct frequency entry keypad, which can double for memory preset entry and recall, the 7600GR has great functionality in a reasonably small package. This is one of our first pros, portability. The radio is self-contained. While one might wish to attach an external antenna or external power source, the battery power and built-in antenna make this an excellent grab-and-go option. The portability of analog radios is hard to beat. I really enjoy sitting on the porch or at a picnic table listening to my radio, 
or even just relaxing in an easy chair in the living room with my radio on the table next to me. Tactile. This is one of those subjective categories, but I think many folks find they like the feel of a given radio. I personally like holding a radio and working its controls, nudging the tuning a little bit to get better reception, moving the radio around to reduce noise, adjusting the RF gain to clarify a signal. Personally, I tend toward larger radios, unless I really need to save on size for trips, etc. I like the feel of a solid radio, and I particularly like the sound from a larger speaker. Two of the reasons my often-used Sanjian 909X remains my first choice for a portable radio is the audio quality and the size of the radio's display. I was thrilled when the new model came out with an even easier-to-read larger display. In a world where people seem to enjoy watching videos on smaller and smaller phone displays, I like to go in the other direction. Confession time here. I also really, really like some of the old Zenith portables that I have which are quite heavy, but which are killer AM receivers. As for more recent radios, I like my CC Radio EP for incredible audio and AMDX reception. My love of AMDXing started when I was about 9 or 10 years old, and I still love it today. Visual. Again, subjective, but some radios are quite simply works of art. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, to be sure but I find many analog radios have great visual appeal. I have radios from the 40s and 50s which have an Art Deco look, others with solid wood frames, and still others with all metal cases which gleam as the light reflects off their chrome knobs and trim. While much of the visual beauty of radios seems to be lost in modern rigs, there are some exceptions which do not sacrifice quality for beauty. Familiarity Almost everyone instinctively knows how to operate the basics of an analog radio. Although I have heard some younger people do not know how a car radio operates. Shortwave receivers and amateur transceivers add various levels of complexity but most basic functions on those radios are easily learned. Simplicity Related to familiarity, simplicity with analog radios means when you turn it on, it's on. Okay, older vacuum tube radios need time to warm up. There are no menus to open, no computers to set up. It's ready to go. Non-hybrid radios, in other words, true analog radios, never have to have their firmware updated, which brings with it the potential of bricking it up, or have settings, which must be tweaked to get it to run. In the highly computerized world we live in, I find this quite refreshing. Self-contained power. Most portable analog radios and some larger models have battery-powered capability and often perform better than their AC-powered cousins. This not only means no cords to deal with, 
but also less internal interference. House wiring, switching power supplies commonly used with portable radios, and general hash from local electrical interference makes battery operation much more pleasant. Many radios now have the option to use rechargeable batteries which came in it. In something of a worry wart, however, I still tend to charge my batteries out of the radio to avoid unnecessary heat issues. I would prefer alkaline batteries and keep them around as backups, but recent experiences with leakage even from name-brand batteries have pushed me toward rechargeables more often than not for regular use. Built-in antenna. This aspect of analog radios is both a blessing and a curse, but I list it as a positive because of convenience. While the very nature of a built-in antenna has its limitations due to size and placement, most antennas will do at least a reasonable job pulling in signals on AM and FM, and some will even do decently with stronger shortwave stations. With radios covering VHF, UHF signals, these antennas will often perform quite well, as folks with police scanners and amateur radio handy-talkies can attest. Without a bit of understanding of how radio signals work, sometimes people are frustrated by a radio's inability to pull in weaker or more distant signals until they discover the benefits of external antennas on radios so equipped to handle them. Like built-in antennas, external antennas can be a blessing or a curse, depending on the ability of the radio to handle stronger signals. Sometimes small portable radios can have their front-end circuitry overloaded by multiple strong signals, and this can lead to its own type of frustration. Learning the limits of a particular radio is always a good exercise, helping one get the best possible experience a given radio has to offer. Does what it does. There is a certain comfort to me with analog radios knowing precisely what it can do and what it cannot do. With modern whiz-bang smartphones and tablets and Internet of Things IoT devices abounding, I do not have to guess what my analog radio can do. It does just what I purchased it for, and nothing more. As I prepare to move into a new home, I will have to buy some appliances, and I know part of the challenge will be to find ones which do the minimum of what I want them to do. I do not need a refrigerator to connect to the internet and show me pictures of what is in there. If that's your thing, great. I just like things to be as simple as possible when it comes to appliances. I also liked the days when washers and dryers and furnaces did not have computer boards in them to go bad. But hey, I know, I am a bit of a Luddite in that regard. Again, knowing the limitations of a radio is important. No radio can do it all well, and my advice is to avoid those radios which claim they can. Even the SDRs, we will talk about shortly, cannot do it all as those who bought SDR dongles hoping they could listen to encrypted digital public service communications have discovered. 
A dedicated police scanner will always outperform a general-purpose radio in many ways. Even if your scanner only picks up analog signals, the memory scanning capabilities and scan speed are just two of the benefits they offer over a radio covering the same frequencies. Connection to the past. Once again, this is a subjective, but I believe a significant point worthy of mention. When I look at, use, and enjoy an analog radio, we are connecting to a long history of radio going back well over a century. What we take for granted today was considered almost miraculous when they first came out, and the world became a much more connected place. Being connected with one another did not just start with the Internet. I think of families gathering around the radio in the evening to listen to news and entertainment. Radios were sometimes used to bring neighbors together to listen to important broadcasts or exciting sporting events. I grew up listening to baseball and football games, which were rarely televised, but which were exciting due to the talented announcers calling the games. I still enjoy listening to some of the old radio shows being rebroadcast on stations today, originally aired long before I was born. Turning to SDRs. Now let's take a look at the pros of SDRs. Like analog radios, some of these will be subjective, but some have obvious technical advantages over analog radios, and this is where SDRs really shine. Expandable. This is perhaps one of an SDR's greatest features. Because so much is done in software, features, tweaks, and capabilities can often be expanded without further purchases, or at least with nominal expense, depending on the manufacturer. More importantly, other software creators can often add functionality to an SDR by writing software to take advantage of the SDR's hardware. Nowhere is this perhaps more evident than with the purchase of one of the ubiquitous SDR dongles by companies such as New Alec and many others. These units are very inexpensive, capable, and incredibly expandable. Software sites such as rtl-sdr.com have dozens of programs which can link to the dongle hardware and greatly expand their capabilities, whether you are a Windows, Mac, Android, iPhone, or Linux user. Are you into public service scanning? There are software programs out there which can mimic dedicated scanner functions such as memory channel scanning, decoding digital, not encrypted, signals, decode fire department tones, catch pager functions, and much more. If you like AM, FM, plus RDS, and DMR, DMR, plus DAB, plus, there are programs to add these capabilities to your reception. Want to add some testing capabilities to your software? Spectrum analyzers, audio and electrical, can be added to your SDR's stable of applications. Want to stream your signal over TCP? Yep, you can do that too. The list goes on and on and on. 
listen to and record wide swaths of bandwidth. Until you experience this for yourself, it is hard to imagine how cool this is. Various SDRs have the ability to monitor and record multiple signals and or band segments at the same time. For example, my now-ancient Kirka 2015 ELAD FDM-S2 can record the entire AM broadcast band at once and then allow me to play back individual stations at my leisure. Or I can monitor different shortwave or amateur bands and virtual receivers and even send audio out to several virtual sound cards for listening or recording. In the ensuing years, ELAD and other companies like them have expanded the bandwidth capabilities such that the only real limitations one has for recording audio is the speed and storage capacity of the computer system in use. While working as game day coordinators, we regularly used an air spy as a spectrum analyzer to hunt down uncoordinated signals which could possibly interfere with radio and TV systems in the stadium. This also allowed us to record signals for analysis later if needed. I actually preferred using this system to the expensive spectrum analyzer we had for that function, as the SDR was quite small and integrated into a small laptop easily. DSP Digital signal processing is, of course, one of the major strengths of an SDR, whether standalone or integrated into one of the modern hybrid radios. With an analog radio, filters are mechanical, meaning they have certain characteristics which make them quite functional, but somewhat variable. Picture a mountain and walking up one side and down the other. There is a rise and fall to the sides of the mountain, and the peak is at the top. The response of analog filters when graphed out look much like the mountain. There is a rise and fall approaching the peak, which weakens the effect the further away one gets from that peak. By contrast, digital filters, because they are based on simple software commands, are like a brick wall. If you want a 300 Hz filter, your filter will be 300 Hz, exactly. There is no slop to the filter, no rise and fall, unless requested by the software, as in soft or sharp filtration. In fact, it is easy to overdo filtration sometimes, because one can narrow filtration to the point where a signal could become unusable, but that is a subject for another day. Another benefit to DSP is the potential placement of the filters within the signal path. Filtration can happen at the antenna input, before, during, and after the mixing stage, or a combination of various stages. This means a signal can be cleaned up before entering the mixing stage, producing a clearer signal without noise amplification. Again, over-filtration can lead to a loss of signal quality, to be sure, but proper use of these filters can allow one to dig out tough-to-hear signals analog radios could never reproduce as well. Part of a chain 
As previously mentioned, the expandability of SDRs is one of their greatest strengths. We'll continue this article next time. This is the Audio Information Network of Colorado. Thank you for joining us for Hoppy Radio. My name is Keith. We invite you to please stay tuned for our next program.